You now tuned in to the hottest podcast in the world, the Stay Woke Podcast, right here on thesonicbreakdown.com. Spiders Will Eat Your Face, available on Amazon Prime, Instant Watch, and Amazon.com. Spiders Will Eat Your Face, the documentary about the history of pet tarantulas in America. That is, Spiders Will Eat Your Face, the movie on Amazon. Welcome back to another Stay Woke Podcast. This is D-Ray Brinson, and you know the Stay Woke Podcast is presented by thesonicbreakdown.com. So if you haven't read a review, definitely need to go over there and check it out. We have a new one up with Scissors Control, as well as Joy Badass, Kendrick's. Uh, we did a classic on Goody Mob, so definitely check those out. But today's podcast, or today's episode, I should say, we have a special guest, and we're going to be covering a book that uh, I'll get into a little bit in a second. But let me introduce our guest. We have Pendarvis Hershaw. Pen's cool as Pen, yeah, okay. yeah, totally fine. So Pen wrote this book called OG Told Me. I, I saw this book by happenstance um through a friend and I started to read little clippets of it and I was just like, Wow, this is a really good book. Let's get this guy on on the podcast and let's get to know him a little bit more. So we're first of all, we're glad to have you on it. And uh, this is gonna be a segment um that we've been calling Let's Talk About It, where we talk to different artists, different people, and get to know them a little bit more. Cool. So let's begin by where are you from, man? I'm from Oakland, California. Okay. Um, Reading your book, which we'll get into a little bit more later, I feel like that was a major component of 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 the story of the narrative of that. And is what about Oakland to you is so defining in in your personality and your characteristics, and and kind of pulled this this book out of. Uh, the book is a a number of essays, a coming of age story of me growing up in Oakland, and I think what's uh, particular about this story is something uh, where I take the 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 cross section of. A young man on the path to manhood mixed with this cultural experience, uh, cultural being car culture, drug culture, music culture. And I talk about some of the, the d- dumb things I did as I bumped my head growing up to being a man and these elders who would come in and, and intervene and give uh, tidbits of wisdom and how I took notes. And that really steered me on my path. It's not like I was uh, a hellion or anything like that, but I definitely had opportunities to stray and they, they made sure that I, I stayed on the righteous path. Yeah, I mean... No matter who you are, no matter how how good of a person, how great of a person, or or how not great of a person you are, we all need direction at some point. Right, you know? right, yeah. Re- direction is definitely something that <laughs> that's my daughter in the background. <laughs> direction is something that is something that anybody can use at a given time, and I think that direction is something that anybody can give. And so I started realizing more and more that like these elders, man, not even just the high preacher or the big political figure, but also the, the dude who's the dope dealer with the big chain or the gentleman who's a dope di- uh, user with the scratch off uh lottery ticket in front of the corner store they all have some type of wisdom that they can lend to you and uh you i guess take for, take what you need mm-hmm. and keep moving forward and so it was it was fun doing the project that led up to the book and then the book itself is really like the true uh story of me coming up in Oakland and learning from these elders i got you i got you We're, let's get a little bit more into to you do you have any siblings yeah i have an older sister Okay, but no, you're the only boy then. <laughs> oh, the only boy in the family, yeah, raised by my mother and my sister. And my aunt played a major role as well. Okay, okay. And are, how how are you with your parents now? Are you still close with your mom? Oh, very close with my mother. Uh, reconnect with my father at uh, at about age 25. and uh, Yeah, I remember reading uh, that in the book. Yeah, yeah that's the, the final chapters yeah. I talk about, going to meet him for the first time and being a, a grown man and having those grown man conversations. And um. It, we're, we're good we talk to each other every now and then my father and i mm-hmm. and uh i just sent them a picture of my daughter just before i got here so oh wow yeah that's that's awesome to hear and in the book you, you get into it a little bit but you, you went to howard that's correct right yep 
And how was your experience at Howard? I just like to get other people's experience because uh, uh, as people know from the podcast, I went to Morehouse and Howard was one of the choices that I was debating between of going there. Sometimes I question if I should have went to right, Howard. Right, right. I was the other way around, actually. I was uh, in 10th grade. I got a Morehouse pennant mm. and put it up on the wall in my room. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to Morehouse. And then I ended up, uh, didn't get accepted to Morehouse, got accepted to Clark Atlanta. Went down there. I wasn't feeling it. Yeah. Took a year off to do journalism. I did the did a report on the 10th anniversary of the Million Man March. And that's when I went out to D.C. And I just I saw the, the politics up against the black culture, up against the history and just a, a lot of things that I liked. I gravitated towards it. And so, Howard, the experience overall, it was a social breeding ground for a lot of young mm-hmm. black people. And I think that's something that I really appreciated. It showed me the diversity in the black community. Um, it showed me just racial diversity, uh, idea diversity, just uh, just yeah we're we're not monolithic you know yeah um so i really appreciated that and i think howard uh connected me created a, a very strong social network and something that's uh i've used for my journalism and also for this book where people know me through doing the work that i did at howard uh be it i was a resident assistant or i was doing poetry and things like that and um I've leveraged those networks as as my career has continued. So I really appreciate just that uh, that basis for being, you know, a 19, 20 year old young black man stepping out into the world and meeting a lot of like minded individuals. And um, yeah, yeah, I appreciated it. I want to touch in on um, when you as, as, as a young, young child before even high school, um, did, were you interested in writing at that point? Like yeah. when, when did you start really getting interested into writing and, and that craft of writing? Yeah, forever. I've been writing forever, man. I I look back at it and I I remember doing oratorical fest in Oakland in elementary school at Emerson in North Oakland. I remember, yeah, reciting Langston Hughes, uh, I've Known Rivers, you know? Yeah. And so I've always been interested in prose, uh, either reading, writing, you know, one of the sorts. Personally, I started off doing poetry in middle school. Is it just an, an outlet, a way to express myself? Poetry begat rapping rapping turned into journalism journalism turned into photography documentary filmmaking and now i've I've done a little bit of all of it and and this book is the latest edition creativity begets more creativity exactly uh, something that we say on this podcast very very often with that creative process at one point at which point did you feel like you you actually that that it was a gift that you actually had were onto something because a lot of people there's things that they like to do versus things that they are talented and have a gift for yeah that's that's interesting huh i think it happens in stages where i can remember being in middle school and i write a rap and my friends like nah you didn't write that who wrote that (laughs) like no gosh really i wrote this (laughs) and i'm like okay cool they think somebody else wrote it that's a good sign you're onto something there um and i remember being in high school senior year in high school i published a, a piece comparing my trip to west africa to my experience growing up in east oakland that played on national public radio and i got emails and you know, a lot of good just pats on the back kind of thing. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm doing something right. So, yeah, uh, accomplishments uh, definitely have a way of showing you that you're you're on the right path. You said that kind of poetry was the kind of the jump point mm-hmm. for that. Did you have any specific poets in mind besides Langston Hughes? Any other poets that you can think of that were instrumental um, as a youth? Uh, I would assume some of them would be rappers. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, it was instantly Tupac. Mm. Tupac Nas, Lauren Hill, we were just listening, my partner T and I, we were listening to uh, Miseducation of Lauren Hill, and I was like, yeah, that's one of the- Amazing albums. Yeah, that's one of the, the quintessential pieces right there, yes. man. Yeah, a lot of, and then, you know, I, I got into Gordon Parks at an early age, mm, and, and seeing all the things that he did, 
I, I really uh, admire Gordon Parks and Quincy Jones mm. for not just doing one thing. You know, mm. they, they did a lot of different things and they were all impressive. And um, so I remember being a young teenager and looking at their biography and seeing how they, they got to the points that they did. Um, and then as I got older, I started looking at different forms of writing and just kept soaking it all in. I want to kind of start touching in on the book a little bit. Sure. As you stated earlier that this kind of is a, a compilation of different uh, gems and uh, pieces of wisdom and um, knowledge that were bestowed upon you by the elder gentlemen of your community and people that you encountered. I know that it started out that you were, I, I believe it was started out as like a Tumblr pay or yeah. the, a Tumblr account of just yeah. you kind of like documenting just the things that you thought were important and were, did you find them that they were important to you and you were just documented for yourself or was it from the perspective of these are gems that I'm getting and I need to impart these gems to the world so these gems that I'm having? Well, I think it was um, when I look back at it and it was t- 2011 that I started the Tumblr page. Um, the idea came from like being in high school. I remember writing my notebooks about o- being OGistic or my OGisms, or, you know, things that touched on the topic. And then in 20, uh, 2011, I was um, teaching at Oakland Tech. And I was doing journalism outside of the classroom and talking to these young men inside the classroom and then going outside into the world. And and these elders would always stop me and have something to say. I was like, man, there's a phenomenon happening here that I need to document. And so I just uh, tied it all together in the form of that Tumblr page that you referenced. I chose Tumblr because all those young men in that class at Oakland Tech, they were on Tumblr all the time. Oh, you got to appeal to the to the crowd that you're, exactly. that you're trying to instill the information into you got to put it on a digital yeah. doorstep yeah and that's what i was attempting to do in, in some cases it worked in other cases you know it flew over their heads but um i think it, it worked in terms of a way for me to document it and look back time-wise like and really really i guess keep adding to it um and so from 20, 2011 about 2015 was doing that project i just looked back at it and counted over the post there's over 80 interviews wow. and um like it started with an interview with Dick Gregory, Bill Russell. Yeah, um, I saw that the, you have some some real influential people that and even to, side note, even the less known individuals in there, some of those quotes to me were more um, impactful than the ones that of the people we know. And um, that's not taking away from either or it's just saying that you can't like, as you said earlier, that everybody has something that you can take something. from. Yeah, very much so. So you should you should be able to. Harry Belafonte, you should be able to sit at his feet and soak up what he has to say, and then at the same time, go holler at the dude who is dressed in the pink gaiters and is in the middle of downtown Oakland, and do with the pink gaiters probably more profound because you have preconceived notions about Harry Belafonte. Exactly. You, just, you know he's going to say something rich. Uh, the dude with the pink gaiters, you're like, oh, he's about to give me some pimp lines or something. And then he turns and hits you with the 180 and tells you about the importance of family and finding your father and heritage. And you're like, what? This dude look like he out of a black exploitation <laughs> film, and he's giving me the wisdom about lineage. That's what I really appreciated through doing the project. Uh, some of these interviews, I'd schedule them. I'd know somebody. So Harry <laughs> Belafonte, I knew he was going to speak at that place. I showed up there and listened to him speak and took a quote from his speech. Uh, other interviews, I just happened to be there. The Bill Russell interview, I was at McClimate's teaching at the time. Bill Russell comes on campus. I happened to meet him there. And then the other interviews were, were like community members that I might have known, and I scheduled you know, a coffee, a sit-down kind of situation with them and got their backstory and then at the end of the uh conversation i asked them if you had the chance to talk to young people and give them some wisdom what would you say and they gave me quotes about a little bit of everything and what made you pick that particular because there's a million questions that you could ask them as as the, right. the focal point but why did why was that question the question that right you- I, at the heart of it I, wa- I wanted to know i genuinely wanted to know you know like man you've lived past 25 you've as a black man in america you at least know how to survive. So at least tell me something about that. 
And then, yeah, talking to the, the gentleman who are, there was a, a gentleman I interviewed who uh, was married for over 75, for 75 years plus. And I'm tell you got to talk to me. You yeah, know that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's a feat amongst itself. And like you said, he, there has to be something in there that, that I can glean from something that can help me avoid pitfalls, avoid mistakes, um, get to a certain place that I want to be faster. Right. Um, and that's and that's beyond just black men in America thing. It's about humanity. Yeah. It's like, though, if you've learned something that can better if you took 80 years and learned one grand lesson, then I can build on your 80 years so that we as a, a human race can get further in life. That's that's a very profound um, idea. At what point did you decide that you wanted to make it into a actual book? I knew I wanted to make it a, a book uh, for a while. I mean, it initially started off as an audio project. I had interviews with Chairman Fred Hampton Jr. or the, the Jacka, the late Jacka, R.I.P. And I would take a sample from that interview and then rap a song about their what they said. And so I was like, yeah, it could be a, it could be a rap album or something like that. Or I had ideas of turning into a cartoon. Just so many different ways to take it. And then um, once I got real deep into this journalism thing, I realized journalism is a, li- a lot like the rap game where you put out these articles or you put out these blogs and those are like your singles. Mm-hmm. You keep giving people the music so they know what your what your flavor is. And then you drop that album or in this case you drop that book. And this is my first this is my this is my Illmatic, you know? This is my first album. And then I'll come back with another album and hopefully it it won't flop, you know, cuz the <laughs> you don't have the, 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 the sophomore the, jinx. Sophomore <laughs> jinx exactly. Um but yeah, this one's doing well and um I'm happy that it came out when it did. I feel like I took my time and, and did it right. And I'm also new to the literature world. And I'm realizing that the literature world needed uh, something this, from this angle, you know, something that's about philosophy and uh, higher thinking from, quote unquote, lower class citizens or people who hang out at the street corners, you know. And yeah, the added value, everybody has a value. Right. And even though sometimes nowadays people... The way that society portrays, especially people of color, that we are invisible, that we don't have value, that, uh, you know, right. our lives don't matter. Right. Exactly. I mean, it, it does, you have to kind of it's the elephant in the room. It's that black lives matter kind of mm-hmm. comment. But not only do like the lives of African-Americans matter, but it's also their philosophies matter, their art matters, their their lineage matters, their families matters, you know, family matters. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, w- something you just said reminded me of, uh, I just saw an interview with um, uh, Vince Staples and uh, he was on um, the Everyday Struggle with uh, Joe Budden. Uh, yeah. And the line that caught my ear, especially after what you said about the culture, is that, you know, that our culture matters. And something that he said is like, basically, culture is black culture because everything that is considered popping or popularized has essence or uh, an element of black culture or was originated from black culture yeah. is, is what he was saying. So that just what you said, it kind of brought me to that idea. Yeah. That's a, I had a good friend, Champ Green, man. He has a saying that the origins are gorgeous. <laughs> the origins are gorgeous, man. Yeah. Go back to the origin. So, yeah. Um, I, and and that, that is important of going back into the origins. I do want to go back to uh, something in here as well is that I thought about, especially when I got towards the end, when you were talking about uh, the relationship that you have with your father. If your relationship was different with your father, do you think you would still end up going down this path of of this journey that that got you to this book? I doubt it. I doubt it. I don't think. No. Yeah. I, I don't think I would. Like it, 
not having my father in the household was a major void or a major uh, part of the narrative of who I am. And it's not just about me. It's a, I looked beyond myself and I saw my circle of friends, as I referenced in the book. There's eight of us growing up, hanging out, and none of us have fathers in the house. So there's something here. Dude. This needs to be talked about. Um, and I see we, we subliminally do it in our actions about how we like try to like over show overly show masculinity or mm-hmm. just to compensate for that or protect our moms. My mom's a big sports fan. I remember going to sports games with her and like walking behind her trying to cover up her butt. So guys mm-hmm. wouldn't look at her, you know, and I'm like, if my father was around, I wouldn't have to do that, you know, things like that. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think it changed. It would have changed me if the circumstances, circumstances were different. Yeah. Because one of the things reading this book, again, I, I recommend everybody to go read it. I re- it's a very fast read as well. It, it doesn't, you know, it's you, you, you get sucked in and you can finish it very quickly because we're in a generation where attention, you, attentions yeah, don't you, span. Yeah, you got, if you won't catch them quick, you ain't catching them. <laughs> yeah. But the thing that resonated with me is the same thing that, that you mentioned in here that you just mentioned as well was the absence of black fathers. I don't know my father. And so there is a void and there are things that you said, things that you see things that you wouldn't normally see. And I, I can't speak for everybody, but some, some of the things that you said that added responsibility of you felt like you needed to, to cover her so that you're protecting her or in a situation of, you know, somebody's not treating your mother right, you feel like you need to step in that, yeah. that, that same space and where if a father figure was there, that's one responsibility you don't have. Right. Um, so that is something that did resonate with me, especially in this book. But I did enjoy the fact of your openness to develop and and have that dialogue with your father because i think a lot of black men in our position when we do get those opportunities there's so much anger and resentment and that that then translates to regret because we don't make those connections yeah Um, yeah yeah so what gave you the the push to want to do that yeah i didn't want to have that regret you know so Mm. i guess as so in the in the book the final chapter is about me going to meet my father for the first time being grown and he's incarcerated and we have a sit-down conversation we exchanged a number of letters before and after that meeting. And then once he was released from prison, I go back down there and I, I speak with him. This isn't in the book. Mm, yeah, because I was like, this, yeah, no, this, no, yeah. this isn't in the Exclusive. book. Exclusive. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I went and met with them. I guess that was uh, September 2015. Yeah, but I, I mean, I went and just hung out with him, man. We went and had some beers. He's down in Alabama. So we like, went to uh, Bloody Sunday, the site of Bloody Sunday mm. and uh, all around uh, Birmingham and, and just... Yeah, I got a sense of history and his story, literally, and really kept asking those questions. And I realized that uh, he's a part of this larger narrative as well. My father talked about uh, I'm taking photos of him as we like walking down the street or him just tying a tie before church on Sunday. He's like, man, you know, I don't have too many photos outside of institutions. And he's talking about like he's been in the the Marines. He's been in uh, prison. He's been in school. And that's where the majority of his photos come from. And for a lot of black men in his generation, that's they weren't taking selfies, you know. That's the norm. That's that's why I think in hip hop that generation difference is so vast because of certain th- even small things like that of taking pictures where it's like the old has like no nah, we ain't, we ain't doing that like <laughs> we were listening to a song oh man it was a, a 1980s song and the line the line was like women like me even though even the ones who never saw me like the way that i rhyme and i flow and i was like dang to think a rapper who has never been seen before yeah like that's crazy yeah, now that's, like, yeah there's no way you can make it well her she's kind of doing it who her h-e-r she has like two volumes volume one and volume two she's an r&b singer okay I need but to. she doesn't as far as i've seen i've never seen any 
pictures of her like at all. It's just a silhouette. Three albums. My lady T, she, she says she know. Her. I, I'm not familiar. I, I oh, mean, you know her? No. Uh, okay. See, all, all I can think of is uh, MF Doom. Oh with, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. That. Yeah. And then Sia was trying to do that somewhat, but yeah. we we seen her but, face prior. But, but too yeah. short. I remember watching a documentary about Too Short where he talks about his tapes floating around and people dubbing his tapes over. And he didn't have any videos out or anything like that. So, yeah. And he goes to do a, a show and people know his words. And he's like, dang, I ain't never been to this city in my life. Like That just shows you the power of music. And words can do the same thing words. in literature. Yeah. Just Very words, much yeah. so stories travel, man. Stories travel. Spiders Will Eat Your Face, available on Amazon Prime, Instant Watch, and Amazon.com. Spiders Will Eat Your Face, the documentary about the history of pet tarantulas in America. That is, Spiders Will Eat Your Face, the movie on Amazon. So I just want to, is there any particular, actually going back to that, what you were talking about your father, the, because the information that you said about post the book, if I'm mistake, not mistaken, didn't he send you a letter after that visit saying that? Right after. Yeah. That not to. Don't not, ever come down here again. Uh, how'd you get from that point to. Just you, kept working, kept that line of communication open. You kept pushing that to right. So, I mean, I wasn't gonna go see him while he was incarcerated mm-hmm. again. I guess that was his thinking. He didn't want his. He didn't want me to see him up in that light. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, he he's very like he's very proud of me and who I've become. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, he he feels like uh he had he didn't have those same opportunities. He's not maybe not as proud of who he is or what he's accomplished in life. And so he definitely didn't want to, me to see him in prison as I'm like. The recent Howard grad mm. uh, at that time. While I think, you're rising. He's, yeah, exactly. He's I'm, I'm at grad school yeah. at UC Berkeley. And he, he was like, blood, don't come down here and see me in prison. Like, see me when I'm at my best. And then mm. that's, that's rap. So I, I can understand him at that. And I, actually, I think that was a large part of him not being around as a kid when I was a kid. When he, he just knew he was doing bad. Um, and so he thought it'd be better for for him to be absent than to be doing bad and be in our life. And and that's respectable, but on on the flip side, <laughs> it speaks a lot to the men that you are because it takes a lot to be that understanding and to be that open to not selfish because being selfish and that is you hurt me. That's all that kind of matters. But you're taking kind of that emotion out of it to to see the reason behind it, yeah. and you're not you're not saying that it's okay or you're not explaining or not um giving him the the, the past in essence. Right. But you're just saying I understand yep. the the reason why. Yeah, not necessarily say that it's an excuse. Not saying that I'm saying it's cool. No, it's not. <laughs> I, I think journalism has helped a lot. Mm. Journalism has to helped a lot in, in terms of yeah, like uh, putting the emotions in the back seat and letting a rational conversation happen in order to get to some real conclusions. Mm. It's helped a lot in terms of really my development and growth and trying to be accountable and tell the truth and you know things that kind of matter in life in relationships but uh i'm still growing i'm still learning myself and um i think that is another reason why i can understand his erroneous behavior because mm. you know i've made mistakes too yeah nobody when by no means are anybody perfect so yeah. is there any particular um stories in the book that are your favorites and and I know that's a hard question. That's like saying, you know, let me pick my favorite child. <laughs> so I, I know that. So if you don't, I get it. But I, I have yeah. to ask. Yeah, you know, the opening chapter, there's a I'm hanging with my homies and we're pointing at cars saying that's my car. And I talk about a 67 Cougar. And now since the book has been out, I keep seeing 67 <laughs> Cougars. Like literally, I was at the gas station earlier today. And I saw a green and gold, a green one on gold spokes. And I was like, ooh, it's Oakland A's color too. 
So I really like that. Um, there's a chapter in there called Sideshows and Bros where yeah. I, I talk about the sideshows in East Oakland. I really paint that picture of the sideshow. And so I, I usually share that when I'm speaking to uh, young people mm-hmm. because I think there's a big lesson about venturing out and not just being on a field trip all the time with your homies. Like, Get over that uh, safety net and go out into the world, especially as a young man. Go out into the world and see the world for yourself and let the world see you individually as opposed to being in a pack, you know? Yeah, uh, I definitely agree. And some of the things that you said in, in the book about your travels to other countries, because I'm a I'm a adamant believer in if you have the opportunity to get out the country, take it. Right. Because for me, when I was in high school, my first opportunity to leave the country, I got to go to Egypt, France, uh, and Spain. Okay. And Egypt, literally just that first trip changed, it literally flipped my whole world. It changed everything the way I thought, the way I see people, the way I interacted with people, just because the bubble of America, the bubble. And for me as a kid, I traveled a lot. Or we moved a lot. So I lived in Boston, New York, uh, New Mexico, uh, California. like from coast to coast that's tight you know what i'm saying so i felt like i had a strong understanding of different cultures of america but then when i felt worldly cultural vibe change and how the world saw us that really sparked something in me did you have any experiences when you went overseas that kind of fostered that same kind of thinking yeah and just going a little bit about that yeah it's crazy we, I, we haven't gone to the same places so i wonder how our experiences compare um, I've been to Ghana, Senegal, Ireland, uh-huh. and China. Um, and each experience was different. And I think they were different because, I mean, obviously because the place is different, but also because of who I was traveling with mm. and the purpose I was traveling for. So Ghana, I was with, I was in high school and went with a group of white people. Uh, Senegal, I was, I was at Howard and I went with some research, do- research doctors, scientific research doctors, and they were all black. And mm. uh, China, I went with 18 young black boys from Oakland. And uh, we were treated like either the Wu-Tang Clan or the NBA's traveling team. <laughs> like literally people coming yeah, up asking us to hold, yeah. hold the baby and take the picture oh, and wow. like, want to touch our hair and stuff. And then uh, Ireland, I was out there uh, reporting, doing journalism through a program called Youth Radio. Uh-huh. Um, and so that allowed me to delve into the culture of Ireland, which is which is pretty tight, man. It's like really diverse. You'd be surprised. Yeah, but... I would never, <laughs> I would have yeah. never have thought that that, that somebody I, I, would that, I, I, that, that, a, that a black man would come back and say, "Hey, Ireland is pretty diverse." I mean, I go more dude, diverse than I thought. I went up to Northern Ireland where they have like they have beef. Like you think Bloods and Crips got beef? Nah, Northern Ireland like Catholic Protestant beef. Yeah, I heard it, that's it, that's, it goes, that's, that's real. Eons. That's real. And they have a peace wall dividing the two neighborhoods between the Catholics and the Protestants. Yeah. And um, Frederick Douglass's face is up there. <laughs> Yeah, I would have never thought that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I would have never thought that. Fred, Frederick Douglass came out there during the potato famine, and mm. so he, he gave a big speech and had a big impact on Ireland. Oh. I even I saw a play about the Irish Revolution in the 1970s, 80s, um, and in the play, the whole so- soundtrack is Motown music because they're listening to the music of the civil rights struggle and, and, and uh, using that as inspiration for their struggles as well. Juxtaposing against theirs, I got right that. exactly. They, they all Smokey Robinson out out there and everything. <laughs> James Brown, yeah. So, yeah, it was um, it, it's been different each place, and I think I was in I was in a different place at a different age in, in each place as well. So, I, I look forward to the traveling again this time, uh, taking my lady and my my daughter, and and then seeing how people react to a black family. Yeah, because that's a whole different dynamic as well. Right. Um, 
with your travels because I, I want to go there's a line in the book where you talk to i don't remember the name of the i believe she was a, a journalist or a professor at um at harvard yeah, yeah at harvard and she asked you basically what would you what would you do and you basically like i would travel i'll see the world and i would just be a student of life in a sense kind of yeah take on these experiences has that has that idea that 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 want that um if if she would ask you that question today would that answer change i mean uh i'd say yes and i'd be a farmer a farmer of obviously of agricultural farmer but a farmer of just like cultivating and planting seeds and watching them grow mm. and so enjoying watching my daughter grow or enjoying watching um we do have tomato plants and things of that nature in the backyard watching mm. them grow uh watching this book uh distribution go from like i had a box of a hundred to now i'm nearly a thousand uh thousand units moved all out of my backpack and just watching things an idea grow so the answer would be if i could do anything with my life right now i'd be a farmer or a cultivator during the whole process of this book some of the things that i that i really enjoyed and that i like instantly came to mind was on page seven that there was a line uh from the line that i was talking about is um from your girlfriend's not your girlfriend your sister's boyfriend and he was like, if you can learn in one day what takes most men a week, you'll see that age doesn't doesn't mean a thing. You feel me? Focus on the big dreams. Don't trip off the small things. That resonated with me because I try to live by that that uh, saying, worry about the things you can you can change and don't worry about the things you can't. Mm-hmm. It's not that I'm not aware of them, but I just don't stress off them. Right. And that, because this podcast started all based on music, um, so did the website. So I tried to link everything back to music, and we've been doing that very well. Thank you. <laughs> um, but it it, ma- it made me think of the line of um, from Jay-Z that um, difficult takes a day, impossible takes a week. Right. That just that idea of don't, don't pigeonhole yourself. Don't stop yourself from achieving whatever goal you think you can do. And the, the idea of learning, like that, that knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. regardless of as we've been saying and a running theme through this whole podcast and through the book of it doesn't matter who it's from but on the flip side of that is you do have to be a filter and not a sponge don't take all this information from everybody you have to determine what's right for you take it with a grain of salt exactly yeah so that was just one of the lines that kind of stuck out to me as well as um on page 12 when you talk about the fight of where a uh, dude took flight and just that that line like because another thing is going from Atlanta from being in the Bay and then going to Atlanta in college, like certain things like take flight, uh, scrapers, uh, sideshows. Those are the things that the people that aren't from the Bay are like, what are you talking about? And so it just, it just triggered that automatically with me. And it's something that I didn't appreciate until I went to college because you don't realize what's, you know, you, you do, but you don't, you don't realize how, how special it is until you leave and realize those are, you know, the things that connect you to that, that place. Right. That's, I mean, you don't realize, I mean, until you step out of the circle, you don't realize how rich your lexicon is. And you'll say a word and you'll say it casually mm-hmm. and people will just record scratch. What is that? You yeah. know? And so I tried to as much as I could doing it without going out, outside of myself. Make sure that, you know, our, our lingo was in there and old school words we used to use. One of my friends pulled me to the side the other day he was like bro you wrote the word molly wop yeah in a book <laughs> like i've never seen the word molly wop in a book when i see, i remember i remember my freshman year in college we got in a fight and well not me but the group we were with they got in a fight and there was three of us we all came from we all came from the bay 
And we were like, oh, he got Molly Wap, man. And everybody there was like, huh? Molly Wap? What is that? Who's Molly? <laughs> like, like, and and then my uh one of my friends, oh, he has a, a clothing line and um it has uh it says Molly Wap, but it has Molly um Molly Ringwald oh, face oh. and on top it has Molly and the under it has Wap. So oh, okay. like I just I think it was important because it does set the scene and makes it different than any other area. That doesn't mean that if you're from New York, if you're from Kansas, if you're from Chicago, if you're from wherever, Florida, that you can't Understand read the book it. and yeah. understand the, yeah. the context of, of yeah. the stories. But it does give it some some Bay Area exclusive terminology that fits that scene. And I love it, man. And uh, you put it in the hands of a teenager and they'll learn about some old slang. And then they learn some SAT words too. Yeah, I had a, a friend's cousin, uh, excuse me, a friend's nephew, contact my friend and say, "What does the word delve mean?" Mm. And just you know, a very small word, yeah. you know, to go into something deeper, to to learn, you know, to get that extra layer of knowledge. Yeah. And for a sixteen-year-old young man who might be taking SAT, ACT soon, that's an important word to learn, just as well as Molly Wap. You know? Exactly. You, you about that balance. The other thing that I did want to bring up: the book is really well written in the description of the stories and it's not just your basic uh you know joe blow walked here this happened here the description and setting the scenes of getting the emotional tones of 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 those um encounters like i said going back to the took flight of how you were in the store and and coming out like you already knew you already knew what was happening but just for somebody that didn't understand that, you can see that you already had that presence of knowledge of, of, of setting the scene. And I just think that was well done. The illustration is there, and, which makes it an easy and nice read. You um, put that person in the scene. Yeah. And I think that's that, that's how you establish empathy for somebody who's not a young black man in Oakland, California. You you paint the picture as, as well as possible and not you put that person in the shoes of a teenager walking out of the store and seeing somebody getting molly wops you know yeah and another scene that i I do want to touch on is the the bullets and babies that i think again said another it was it was very impactful when i was reading it because it is something and it's it's not something that i haven't heard before but it's something that when you read it in the way that it's presented that it 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 gives you another perspective that you might have had before but it reinstills it into you of that Death and birth, it's it, it is occurring all the time, but we do need to be cognizant of it. And I just it's a matter of uh, as a, a young person, male, female, whoever, but realizing the power that you hold mm-hmm. and being like a teenager, a middle schooler at that, and realizing, dang, I have the power right now to take a life or to produce a life. Like that's that's crazy, you know. Like, and you're still learning like bus lines and like you know. Or, Exactly. 13, 14 years old and you're dealing with the death of a friend or another friend being pregnant. And that's that's grown up business, man. Yeah. And you're dealing with the, the the thing that I felt was so instrumental about that scene was you're dealing with both at the same time. Right. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like you said, you're dealing with both at the same time as a child. Like, you know, what I'm saying not as a, a full grown adult that can put everything in perspective. Right. Um, Which that's I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it's also something I think that like they need to talk about that in school. Mm-hmm. They need like, bring that into the classroom because they're talking about it. They're 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 the they, kids are talking about it. That's what I'm saying. It. Yeah, they, exactly. They're talking about they're living through it, but they don't know how to. Some of them do know how to navigate it and and, and work through it, and some don't. Yeah, yeah, and and the the ones that don't, 
there's multiple paths that they can go on that can lead them in several different directions it, that's not beneficial. It, it manifests in other ways. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's about management, learning how to deal with that. So I, I thought that was, I thought, again, all these stories, and these are just a few of the stories that are in the book. So you definitely should read the book to, to learn more about these stories and the other stories that are in here and see how it all ties together because it all ties together very nicely. Thank you. And even the the small the pictures with the, the with the handwriting, Scribbles. yeah, the, the the handwriting in it. Yeah. I, I started reading those as well. I was like, oh, because there's gems in there that aren't in the other sections as well. Some are, are are tied and laced in together in the kind of idea and philosophy, and some are some. Well, most all of them are, but they're not as um expressed the same. Right. I, I no. Yeah. It's uh that that those are excerpts from my poetry as a teenager, mm-hmm. uh, middle school, high school time where I'm literally taking notes from elders and tying them into raps or just little clever sayings or mm-hmm. even sometimes writing letters to OGs. Like, man, we, we good. Next generation going to take this baton and be the continuum. And so uh, I realized that was a common thread in a lot of my raps as I go back through my notebooks. I got like 30-plus notebooks mm-hmm. of me writing. So I'll go back, look at that, and I'm like, okay, well, this is content. This is something that um, it, it, tie, it, it definitely coincides with some of the themes in my book. So, yeah. Do you think that you accomplished what you intended with the book? Accomplished more than I intended. Oh, I just want to make my mama happy, man. That's that's crazy. That's what the publisher book, give her a book, you know, let her know. And then getting contacted by people like yourself or just, yeah, it's it's crazy to see it happen. This morning, this morning, our lady T and I, we out at Starbucks and um, Marcus Thompson, writer for the Golden State Warriors, comes into Starbucks with his daughter and he's like, man, I need a book. Matter of fact, I need three books. And he buys three books and, you know, throws it up on Instagram and Twitter. And by him throwing it on social media, more people contact me. And that's how things have been going, the snowball effect. That's awesome, man. And um, it's really the power of, of social media, word of mouth, networks, working together, and also just putting something out there that people want or need. Or I guess I, I put my, my passion out there and then people took it and ran with it. Now, I'm really appreciating it. So, yes, I've accomplished more than I set out to do. That's awesome, man. Thank you. Do you have plans on writing another book? <laughs> People, what's next? <laughs> Slow down, man. Everybody's just, just enjoy yeah, this, man. No, no, we need to know now. <laughs> we need another one. We I need got, a sequel. <laughs> I got some ideas. I do. Yeah, I really, I mean, I like philosophy. Mm-hmm. I like philosophy. I, I I could read a whole book, but I'd rather just get to the quote. Mm-hmm. Give me the nugget. You know, what's at the heart of this? And so um, my next project will have something about philosophy. I'm interested in remedying some of the problems that we deal with in Oakland, uh, sex trafficking gun violence love or lack thereof mm. so yeah and, and i think it would probably be something to do with audio i'm still still working it out but yeah. i got some ideas on a burner if there's anything one thing that you want people to take away from the book that you haven't stated already or that even if you have stated it already what would that one thing be there's a lot of things you could take away from the book itself and the mm-hmm. content within it but mm-hmm. i think the backstory is probably the biggest takeaway for the the artist out there who has an idea that won't get out of their head but hasn't manifested yet into a CD or a book or something like that uh, is um, persistence, man. One of, if you go to the the photo essay, the second interview I do is with the gentleman by the name of Arnold Perkins, Baba Arnold, as I call him. Uh, he talks about a chicken getting out of an egg and how a chicken get out of gets out of an egg is like persistent, consistent, follow up and follow through. And um, sometimes it pecks slow, sometimes it pecks fast, but it knows if it stops pecking, it'll die. And so with this book, this project took forever, man. Like I said, I started the photo essay in 2011. It was an idea before that. And the actual book writing process, I think I started that around 
2012, 2013, when I first started scanning the excerpts from my notebook. And so I've been putting this together for a while and it takes that persistent, consistent follow through, follow up. Um, and so what I, I sign a lot of my books with is um, the saying that uh, take your time, do it right. As my mom used to tell me, I've kind of mutated that saying to say, take your time, period, do it, period, right with a W. Yeah. So take your time and go through your process and make sure you do it. Very, very wise words. I would like to say again, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me, man. Definitely. Um, OG told me the book. You can check out OGtoldme.com for the photo essay. The book, contact me and I will sell it to you via PayPal, Venmo, Cash App. Um, it's available in Oakland at uh, Oaklandish or E14 Gallery coming to more bookstores and will be online soon. But if you're interested, you can contact me at OGPen, O-G-P-E-N-N on Twitter, Instagram. That's O-G-P-E-N-N at Gmail as well. And just send me a line. Say, hey, man, I heard heard you on a podcast. I'm interested in a book and I'll make sure to get you a copy. Uh, again, as you know, with all our guests, we'll definitely have all that information up on uh, the SonicBreakdown.com, the StayWokePodcast.com. Definitely get back. Check with us for that information. I bought my book at the Oaklandish uh, bookstore, so I know it's there. <laughs> Shout <laughs> so, out to them. They've been doing wonders and, and pumping a real Oakland story, so I appreciate that. Yeah, and uh, uh, Marcus Thompson's book was right next to yours. Right, yeah, right, right. So I was like, it, yeah. yeah, I was like, hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I did think about getting it. I was like, well, let me get this book first. It's just really worth reading. And like I said, it's an easy, fun uh, read that drops knowledge on you. Um, so it can't get better than that. Hey, thank you, man. Um, and you know our motto for the Stay Woke podcast is live, listen to some great music. For this podcast, we'll say read some great books and above all, love more. We out. Peace.